0: So I know that uh, everybody has been. Hopefully, you've been paying attention. If you didn't know, um, uh, Israel was attacked. Uh, hopefully, you know that. But Israel was attacked. Hamas came out of Gaza and um, and just literally ran through people. Um, then Hezbollah came down from the the uh, north and was attacking. And I did see at one one particular point. Hezbollah made this big statement because we, we have two carrier groups that were headed that direction. And so Hezbollah threatened our carrier groups and said um, they're going to attack our carrier groups. These are very <laughs> delusional people um, that they can do anything to those carrier groups. But, but this, is a, this is a devastating thing. This, this is in the thousands now that have been killed uh, through, the, through this whole thing and many, many more that are wounded. Uh, we, we spent all Wednesday night talking about this. I, I had scripture we were going to study and go over, and we ended up spending the whole evening talking about this. I would encourage you, if you get an opportunity, go listen to that, um, to the service Wednesday night, just because we, we did address so many different things from so many different angles that it might be um, it might be educational for you, um, eye-opening a little bit of things. I, I did try to make sure that everybody is aware, and so I want to say this now that... Yes, this is a major thing going on in Israel, but, but China is also now saying they're going to attack Taiwan. I, I, I've been saying this for about a year, that they're going to do this. And, uh, and I think they're, they're trying to expand America's, um, thin out America's reach around the world by putting so many different things on the table that, that uh, we can't keep up with it. And then see which ones we respond to, which ones we don't respond to, and, uh, and then basically just go in and take Taiwan and threaten us with do what you want. We're taking Taiwan. So, and uh, right now our, our government doesn't look and is not very strong when it comes to these kind of things. So this should be a, a big point of concern and prayer for us o- on a regular basis. Uh, this is um, we, we aren't the country we were when Reagan said tear down that wall. We are not. Um, we are not the military that we were at that point we, we don't put the people and the money in the places of, that it needs to be and so so be thinking about all that and, and praying about it um, i I do want to I, I want us to I'm going to try to get us to uh, process uh, a lot to think a lot um, this morning it's so so I'm going to be saying a lot of things oh and by the way I don't think I ever um, Olivia, Aaron, do you have the baby in here with you? Can you, can you show us the baby? <laughs> we want to see the baby. We, we, got, we got people dropping kids like crazy right now. <laughs> we want to pay attention to this. He's asleep. Whatever. Wake, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, he's asleep. But, uh, yeah, we got people. On, I heard Allison had her baby also. And uh, Michaela had her baby. Yeah. Am I right about that? Did I get all that? Man, we, this is foiling season right now. We're <laughs> we're doing good. Keep it up, people. Keep it up. Um, some of you older ones, we can pray for you to get pregnant if you want to. We'll have a, we'll have a special time at the end of the service. <laughs> Just don't pray for Linda and I. <laughs> Uh, I, really, I really want you to, um, to, to, to really process some stuff this morning. A few weeks ago, I, I talked about, when I was talking about my collarbone um, being broken, I was talking about decisions, how decisions stack on other decisions. And I, I want to kind of take that to another layer this morning and ask why we make the decisions that we make. Wh- why do we think the way that we do? and Why do we make decisions? Now, usually a couple times a year, I'll speak about uh, filters, and I'll do a, a little series on filters what I mean by that is all the filters that you have, that life is uh, presented, that you put in place, all these different things, just layer after layer after layer after layer of, e- of uh, experience in life that when you think something or process information, it has to come through all of these filters, um, good and bad, by the way, and, uh, and how two people sitting side by side c- can hear the exact same information, but because of filters, they hear it very, very differently. I th- this was oh, this was eight or nine years ago, but I I was speaking and I said something about that um, that there needs to there has to come a time when when men stand up and be men again, and that we've lost that and that we need men to be men, and I, I had somebody get very upset at me about that, and it was because of her her um, filters, it was because of her baggage, and I understood that it it didn't bother me that she was upset, but she said you can't just say that men be men because. Then they'll go around beating their wives and everything else. I'm like, that's not what I said. That's, that may have been what you heard, but it's not what I said. A man being a man, stand up being a godly man, doesn't it? It's the opposite of that. Um, if, we're, if men will actually be men, they lead. They lead with grace and love and those kind of things. But that's how we hear information is through stuff, through layers, right, through things. And so processing um, why you make the decisions that you make? This is these are more philosophical concepts. But uh, why are you a Christian? Now you can you can give your testimony, and that's that's part of what I'm talking about. But I'm actually talking about kind of a bigger subject. Are you a Christian because you grew up in a country that has Christianity? At some level, that's true, right? There are, there are countries that don't have the gospel that it is, it is a m- much more challenging thing for them to accept Jesus Christ because they don't know who he is. They haven't heard. We're, we're dealing with this. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. We're dealing with this in a really exciting way right now with our church in India. I'm saying our church, Church of Bargate, we have a church in India. And, um, and people are getting saved, and this is starting to really, really um, blossom out. Well, this is in a strong Hindu, non-Christian, and also slightly Muslim area. Well, how, how they become Christian is different than how you become Christian. There's a lot of different layers and filters and how they perceive that. Um, walking down a, a road in, in India through a community or something, about every quarter of a mile, half a mile, there'll be a little uh, shrine set up and there'll be some, some flowers or maybe some sugar in a bowl or something like that where, um, where uh, they're worshiping a god and they've set these things there for a god. And, uh, and they're and everywhere, everywhere you go. And, um, and then you'll see a cow come walking by that's painted all kinds of colors with flower delays around their neck. Now, when that person in that community realizes who Jesus is and accepts Jesus, they have a lot of different filters than you and I do, right? And, and you can process this in a lot of different ways. Why do you make the decisions you do? Why are you a Christian? Why... why Why are you sitting here this morning? Let's take off the table for just a minute because I'm an amazing speaker. Let's move that one aside (laughs) and let's just say, why did you get up this morning and say, I think I would like to to go to church? Are these just random thoughts? There, There are many people that believe that everything is already uh, predestined, I'm saying in a spiritual sense, and that you're not making any individual decisions. Then there's also people that don't even believe in God that think that we're just a collection of chemicals and that these are chemical reactions and you're not actually making decisions. These are just reaction after reaction. And you're kind of carried along on this. So, so what about you? Why? Why do you, why do, you do what you do? One of, my, one of my favorite things to hear other people talk about it's how they met their spouse and how that worked out. Um it's always interesting. I've never I've never sat and listened to somebody and then go, oh that was a boring one. They're, they you know, everybody's got the thing, right? That that just makes it weird and unique. I, I was I was sitting there one time and this lady uh was talking about the she met her spouse um because uh I'll make sure I get this right. Because uh she shot him accidentally. And I'm like, tell me more. I mean, don't you want to know the rest of that story? I'm not telling you. So, so why do you believe what you believe? There's a Years ago, I, I, I said this uh, quote, and my, my daughter actually looked it up because I didn't know for sure who said it, and I, I gave credit for somebody else. But this was said by a guy named Lord Acton in 1887. He said, power tends to corrupt. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. Now, I, I, that resonates in our country right now, does it not? They, th- this is one of the things that has bothered me for years. In fact, this was kind of a, a, uh, a l- little bit of a motivation for me um, running for the house and, and going to the Capitol is politicians, they talk a good game, and then when they actually get... To where they're going, whether it be you know our capital, Denver or um, Washington, all of a sudden they change. Specifically, if they go to D.C., it's like the, the the greatest, most honest, morally guided, directed, principled people get to D.C. and all of a sudden they are broken. There's you you can't trust anything anymore. Well, that's always bothered me, and it's always you know it it always makes me wonder. Um, what would I do in that same circumstance? And uh, so then I get elected. And, I, and I've heard this. I've said this many times. I've heard many, many people say it. I'll, I'll hear people say it constantly around me when they don't know I'm a representative. And then sometimes when they do, they'll say, well, I don't trust any politician. I'm like, I get that. You're not, and then they'll look at me like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, it's like when I'm out on the golf course and, and, these, and I'm golfing with a bunch of guys and they're just cussing like crazy. And then, you know, like whole seven or eight, they say, so what do you do for a living? I mean, I'm a pastor. <gasps> I'm so sorry, man, for my language. I'm going to st- And then they don't cuss the rest of the round. And, and their game gets worse and worse. <laughs> I told a guy one time, he, he swung, he's like, <laughs> and I said, brother, you better say something or you're going to pop. <laughs> well, why? I, they're not. You know, it's not about me, but I say the same thing. I don't trust politicians. I just don't. I just constantly, constantly have to deal with just the fake and the lies, and they just look you right in the face and just lie to you. It doesn't matter. And they're so good at it. And that. And that just drives me crazy to compromise everything. And it did, take, it did take, well, both Republicans and Democrats. I was just going to say Democrats. But it took them a while to realize that if they, were, if they put any pressure on me to compromise, I went so far the other direction that they stopped doing it. Because it drives me crazy. How dare you? How dare you think I'm going to compromise? I'm going to stand against whatever you're saying just for principle now, even if I believe in it. Well, this idea of why do we make the decisions? Are, 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 are powerful pe- people, are all powerful people corrupt? What about wealthy people? Are all wealthy people corrupt? That's a really popular mentality in today's society. Rich people bad. It reminds me much of the, um, of the mentality of the French Revolution. That it, that the, the, the bourgeois um, class or whatever, however you, I mean, that's a, Big class of people. But anybody that was, um, that was wealthy were, nowadays we call them bougie. But that's, it's like, if you're wealthy, does that make you corrupt? Does it make you bad? If you're in position of power? Now, I would say if you, if you get to the point where you're talking absolute power, it is almost impossible for a human being to deal with absolute power without becoming corrupt because there has to be some kind of check in our life has to be something, something somewhere pushing back that says, you're not God. There is one, but you ain't it. And what does that look like? In Matthew chapter 19, this is the end of, of the story of the rich young ruler. And, and uh, Jesus had got to the point, And the guy believed Jesus was a good guy, believed he was a great teacher, maybe even a prophet. And then Jesus said, well, sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And that, he just couldn't. This is where we land, verse 22. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I want you to think about that. He had many possessions. Verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I'll tell you the truth. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus saying this. This isn't some... Some uh, uh, liberal mentality philosopher saying all rich people bad. Jesus is saying it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't want to focus on the eye needle and all that kind of stuff. I just want you to think about um, Jesus saying this is very difficult. It's very difficult for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. And we think to ourselves, "Yeah, that's probably true. The richer you become, and the more difficult to become." So, so here's what I want to ask: Is the the rich young ruler? It says that he went away sad, for he had many possessions. What were his possessions? It doesn't tell us. You have to guess. You have to process in your own mind. What were his possessions that were so important to him that he was willing to risk um, potentially saying he didn't know for sure, but We know he was saying no to the creator of the universe. He was telling Jesus, Savior, the Redeemer, I think I'm going to do this by myself. I got my own own plan. It involves my possessions. So what were his possessions that were so important that Jesus then says it's almost impossible for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Was it um, air conditioning? Did he have air conditioning? I don't think, I don't think he did. Cell phone? Did he have a cell phone? Um, what about running water? Did he have running water? Hot and cold like the rich people do? Did he have um, electricity? Can you just walk into his house and turn a light on? Every now and then I process that. Because I always, wondered, when I was growing up, I would read Louis L'Amour books all the time. He's my favorite author. And, I, and I, I always imagined that I was born in the wrong time, that I should have been born in the early 1800s. Because I really think I'm a cowboy down deep. And then um, I get upset because the ice maker in the refrigerator is not working. Something wrong. You're banging on it to some extent. And, and how can you live under these circumstances? right? Um, Just walk into your room, flip on your light. Did did the rich young ruler have any of the possessions that we would say are basic starter point stuff in our life today? Basics. Basics. Have any of that stuff? Just walk into the kitchen, open the refrigerator, you got stuff that's already made just sitting there That didn't exist 250 years ago. didn't exist. You couldn't go to the refrigerator. You had to to whip up a new batch of biscuits every time you wanted to have biscuits. Think about that. Let's all think about biscuits for a minute. (laughs) But but process with me. The rich young ruler passed up this, this potential amazing relationship to be one of the direct followers of Jesus Christ because... He had a lot of possessions, things that we would not even see as important at all, wouldn't even, wouldn't even get on the scale for us. Why, why do we make the decisions that we make? How do we make them? If, if the Lord came to you right now, and, and just like our missionaries here this morning, if the Lord came to you and said, um, I want you to sell all you have, I want you to move across the planet and be a missionary in this country. What would that look like for you? She said, Well, he wouldn't do that for me. Now that attitude. But think about would he. What if Jesus said, I, I, I'll, I'll bring it down to something very, very simple. I've, I've picked on this for years that I believe that most Christians have so much credit card debt that they cannot be obedient when God says, Give $300 to a missionary. We can't make that decision. God can pull, stir in our heart and stir in our heart all we want, but we don't have the freedom. We are owned by interest rates, Visa, all this other stuff. We are owned by this stuff. And nowadays, I've seen a, a, an interesting switch that's happened. Back in the day, you would have something like a credit card, one credit card that would, that, that would control a lot of your financial stuff. Nowadays, it's, um, it's signing up for every little thing out there. 17 different streaming services we need to watch TV, and they're all, but, they, but they're not expensive, like $8 a piece, $10, $12 a piece. That's all. Yeah, but you got 14 of them. Now you can watch every show made on the planet. I get irritated because sometimes I turn on my, like, oh, that looks like an interesting show. And you start it and it's got all the credits and the music and all this stuff, and then they start talking some foreign language. I've already spent three and a half minutes getting into this show. And now they don't even speak English, and I have no idea what the show is about. But I have a streaming service to make sure I can do that. How how much of our decisions are being made by other external things? So many different ways. External this, external this. Why do we think the way that we think? And what are our possessions? What's driving our decisions? What, what is, and, and I don't, I'm don't i not saying it has to be a, a monetary thing. In fact, I think a lot of times they're not monetary things. But when we say, well, this is what Jesus wants from me. Can you be obedient to him because of, of, of just be obedient or because of stuff you can't? What if you're the most powerful person in the world? What would your decisions be? As she said earlier, um... What if you won the lottery? How many of you would be here next week? Right? I don't know who it would, because I wouldn't be here next week. No, that's not true. <laughs> I really I like she said, I really I really do think I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do, and I love it. I might lose my side gig. I don't know because God would make me do that. So that's being a representative. But what if you're the most powerful person? What if you're the most wealthiest person? What if all of a sudden next week you're a billionaire? Billion. What, what would you do? What would you do differently? Some of you probably have written lists in your phones already, like, well, here it is. Here's what I would do. But what, what would that look like? Could you? What, what is enough money for you? What did, what did Howard Hughes say when they, when they said, um, uh, how much more money do you need? And he said, one more dollar. How much is enough? What, what is driving your decisions? Let, let, let me show you something that I, I find is absolutely mind-boggling. Because, because we look at why do people make good decisions, why they make bad decisions. why With this whole um, Hamas busting through the fence and just running through, I, I, I would not suggest you go look these uh, pictures and videos up, but they're out there of them just walking there and just shooting little babies. Just a little babies, just filling them full of, of bullets. Six-month-old babies. Um, cutting their heads off of six-month-old babies. I, I don't understand that. That's I don't understand that. I I don't think the Palestinians have the right to that land. I don't think it's their land, and I, and I think this goes way back into history. Um, or also to the Bible, a bunch of things, and I think they're just, uh, terror squatters, okay, but with that being said, I don't think we should go and shoot their babies, I, that, that mindset doesn't make sense to me, how, how evil, how dark do you have to be for that, what is, what is, what drives that kind of thinking, you know what I found about people is it's amazing how much people can do horrible, horrible things, but, but here's the weird thing is we always have a line that we draw on the sand. And they said, this is a, I would never do this, whatever that is, right? Um, I always think of that. I, I always think of this when it comes to what would you do or what would you not do. I always think of the old meatloaf song, I would do anything for love. And then at the end he says, but I won't do that. And he never tells us what that is. <laughs> and I want to know, what will he not do? He won't do that. But uh, there is a line for us. And interestingly, when you get saved, that line begins to move toward Jesus and away from sin and away from things. And as we grow in the Lord, that, that begins to change. But here's the question. Why did you even a- acknowledge the fact that Jesus exists and accept him as your Savior in the first place? What, what brought you to that point? What are all the issues? What are the stuff? Sometimes we have major, major um, uh Tragic events that will do will make major changes in our life, but you know statistically, most people will never make a life-changing decision after 18 years old. Do you know that? That we we don't do that, and we, and the older you get, the less likely it becomes. By the time you're 30, the chances of you making a life-changing, a major life-changing decision are almost nil. Because we build our life in that direction. But then there are things that come along that make you make smaller changes, right? A big one is you have kids. When you have kids, you change things. You do stuff differently, correct? You, I, I know a lot of people start going to church when they have kids because they've been partying, doing all the stuff, and now the kids, and all of a sudden they're immediately sobered up, and they're like, there's a human that uh, is, is in the balance here. I'm responsible for this little human. I should probably introduce them to jesus right we do this kind of stuff i love to listen to young couples our our kids are talking about having kids and uh we, we listen to them talk about all the things with the, this are going to do this and they're going to do this and and how many of you know that it's all talking until you have a kid <laughs> when you have the kid everything changes and you want to, You want to listen to them, write stuff down, right? Oh, did, when, you're gonna do okay. All right, you're gonna do. other yeah, that how you're gonna do? It? And then you put a date on it, and you want them to sign it. So then later you're like, see, when you did this, hmm, you're not. Oh, you're not. Especially disciplined, right? My kids. are, oh, And then pretty soon they're five years old, and you're counting to thort, thirty-seven before you actually d- discipline them or do anything. Don't make me count to forty-two. I'll do it. I'll do it. Second Chronicles chapter 34. Now this is a this is very interesting little part of Scripture for me when it comes to why. Why do we do what we do? Josiah was 8 years old when he became king. 8. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. The reason he had to follow the example of David, who was many generations before, is because the generations immediately before him, his father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and even farther, but those three specifically were very ungodly kings, extremely ungodly kings, um, very perverse, very idol-worshiping kings. Okay? So it said, Josiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. So the question I have is why? Why did he do that? What made Josiah want to serve God? Why did he just make this decision? He did not turn away from doing what was right. That means his entire life he served God. Why? He's the king. When you're the king, you don't have to do anything. When you're the king, you're in charge. You can do anything you want under any circumstance. If if your, um, if your wife comes in and says something smart aleck, you can have her beheaded. That's not funny. It's not funny. It's tragic. So... But but think about that. You're the king. Nobody argues with the king. Nobody says anything to the king. Nobody gets on to the king. Nobody makes the king eat Brussels sprouts. The king can do what he wants. So why? Why did Josiah do what was pleasing in God's eye and never turn away? During the eighth year of his reign, so he's how old now? 16. 16 years old. Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. Why? Then in the 12th year, so now he's 20, in the 12th year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, the carved idols, and the cast images. So the pagan shrines, these are all different types of, of spiritual worship, all different types of, actually, lifestyle Mentalities, even more than the spiritual worship. Asherah Poles was a lot about um, perversion and um, uh, s- sexual, sexual worship and stuff like that. It was uh, very debased. But he's tearing down all this stuff. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people don't process. He is making a lot of enemies. He's making a lot of enemies. This is one of the things that I have realized over many, many years now. Through a bunch of different circumstances. But if, if for some reason right now, God said, Scott, you are now the ruler. Not the president, but the ruler of America. Totalitarian Scott regime. If, if God said that right now, and I started doing the things that I knew, that, the things I stand for right now. Immediately, um, abortion is illegal. We will not murder babies anymore. Um... We will, uh, we will not allow, um, pick anything going on. No sin, none of these kind of things involved. What about pornography? No pornography. All pornography is um, horribly illegal with a um, death penalty. Let's not play around. Do you know how much of the church would be upset about all those things? Not society in general, the church. You say, are you serious? We're already dealing with that now today. That when, when you try to have really strong anti-abortion mentalities, the church, segments of the church will rise up against you and fight that. When, what, about, what about prohibition? Why didn't prohibition work? If, at that time, when you're looking at 60 to 70% of the country is Christian, profess to be. Why did prohibition get beat down? Because of the church. The church didn't want prohibition. When it, when it comes to pornography, the church doesn't want uh, pornography to be done away with. Because we like our sins, we like our stuff, and we like to hide all the fact, and then we act like the church when we come together. We act like we're supposed to be. But guys, statistically, 8 out of 10 Men deal with pornography on a regular basis. There's a whole lot less people in this country that are Christians than that. That means somewhere in that 80%, many, many Christians are getting caught up in this. Overwhelmingly, uh, amount of Christian men are getting caught up in pornography in our country. What if we made it illegal tomorrow? You'd be shot. The church would be upset. So here's the question, Josiah is the king, he's the ruler, why did he decide to serve God? And then why did he never turn away? And then when he starts tearing down all the altars and the idols and all the stuff that the Israelites are part of, you know he was making enemies, you know he's making enemies. This is, this is the way life is. When you really stand up against sin, against evil, Satan will come after you. Because right now in America, most of the church does not stand up against sin. Satan's okay with us. He doesn't care. Do what you want in your churches every Sunday morning. He doesn't care. Sing all the songs. Do all the stuff. Just don't stop sinning and don't tell other people about Jesus. As long as that, he's okay. So why? Why did Josiah just decide one day, I'm going to serve God completely and I'm going to tear all this stuff down? He says, he ordered the altars of Baal be demolished and the incense altars which stood above them be broken down. He also made sure that the Asherah poles... The carved idols and the cast images were smashed. And he, he takes it a whole nother level here. He says all these things were smashed and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. These, these um, priests of these temples, these, these leaders in the community, spread all the altars, burn them up, put ash, and spread them all over. The, so, so everybody would know exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. There's no doubt about this. He burned the bones of the pagan priest on their own altars. And so he purified Judah and Jerusalem. It doesn't appear that anybody was telling him to do this. Why? Why did he just wake up one day and say, I think we're going after God? He did the same thing in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, even as far as Naphtali and in the Naredans all around them. He destroyed the pagan altars and the Asherah poles, and he crushed the idols to dust. He cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. So again, the question, why? Why would he do this? You say, well, he had God's word, and he knew what was true. Verse 14. While they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple... Hilkai, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Hilkai said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkai brought the scroll to Shaphan. A few verses down, verse 19. When the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. He did not have the law before. He did not have what we would call the Old Testament, the Bible. He did not have Moses' law before this. He was serving God because of something inside of him. No other reason. When he finally gets God's word, the book of law that Moses wrote, when he finally got this, he realized, I'm not even doing, I'm not even keeping with this. And he had done more than almost any king. I've only found one other king. In the whole Old Testament, his name is Joash that was even close to what Josiah did. And Joash had the word of God. Josiah didn't. And he's tearing all this stuff down. He's doing this. And then he finds the Bible and he's like, oh, we haven't even done what we're supposed to. And he's upset because he hasn't followed God the way that the Bible says follow him. This is moving so deeply in Josiah's heart to follow God. And by the way, I don't have any biblical reason why Josiah did what he did. But some moment, somehow, God stirred in his heart and he listened. Now, I believe that God is doing that constantly with us. I say this all the time, but I believe God is speaking to every single one of us all the time. You say, well, I don't hear God speaking. You have to teach yourself to hear that, and you also have to put yourself in a place to listen properly. you you got to turn off all the other noise, and you got to learn to listen to God in the process. It doesn't just happen. you gotta, you got to get to that point. And then you also have to learn to, to, when you're hearing God's voice, that this is God's voice, and you have to learn to do that. One, one of the things, um, you back up to my grandparents' generation, the concept of God speaking to you is very common specifically in Pentecostal uh, circles. Um, God speaking to you is pretty common. Why don't we hear it as much nowadays? I think part of the reason is because we're we're not that same generation. Our our generation nowadays is much more about, what do I want? What's going to make me happy? And fasting, that was a big thing in that generation was fasting. We don't have that mentality in today's Christianity. You mean I would actually go without food? On purpose? Yeah. And spend that time praying. You want to hear God's voice, you pray and fast. You you add fasting to prayer and it's amazing how God speaks to you and how quickly and how loudly he speaks to you. But you got to go there. God just began to speak to Josiah and he listened and he did it. That's the part that we can do the same thing. We can do the exact same thing. Whatever God is speaking to you right now, whatever he's trying to do in your life, in your world, let him speak to you. I can pick on a couple of easy big things. How much are we really getting in God's word? How much are we really praying? Well, he's speaking for us to us to do those things. And here's the biggest one for me always is how many people are we telling about Jesus? Because he is constantly speaking to us to do that. Constantly speaking to us to do that. But somewhere we have to listen. And we have to make a decision, like Josiah. I'm going to do what God says, and then I'm never going to turn away. That's that's not always easy. We build our lives around listening to our own voice, and I'm saying, as good Christians, um, it's still challenging for us to really listen when God is telling us to take steps and do things and. And speak and be and all these different things. Let me finish it with this. Luke chapter nine verse twenty three. Then he said to the crowd, "If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way." And that's where it starts. You must give up your own way. We 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 have we have such a cultural clash um, against Christianity when it comes to our rights. What we think is our rights. Well, this is my life. This is, I've done this. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to do this. It's my life. I'm going to make the decisions. Instead of saying, Lord, I give up my way. That's, that's the number one thing that destroys marriages. I'm going to do it my way. But that other person also has a, a way, right? I'm not, what, what, when do we get to a point where we say, I'm going to give up my way? I'm going to start there. My way about what? About everything. About what? If, if, if my life, for me personally, if my life was what I planned on it being, or even just would do right now without God in my life, it's amazing how different my life would be right now. I would first, back up, I would never have chosen to be in the ministry. Why would I, why would I want to be a pastor? It's not that fun. Right? Fighter pilot, um, <laughs> superhero, stuff like that. I would do those things. But I I, I really... And I'm not saying it with begrudging. I really want to do what God wants me to do. Amen. I just really want to do that. Most of the time. Most of the time. Not all the time. Most of the time. And some of the time, I want to do what my wife says. If you... You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, which is the the description of American thinking, if you try to hang on to your own life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he turns in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels." I think to myself, and I want to pray this, I want us all to pray this, but as part of our prayer is, Lord, I I don't want to be ashamed of you. And I definitely don't want you to be ashamed of me. I I don't want the Lord to look over my day when I get to the end of it and say, man, you just wasted a day. You could have done this for me. You could have done this for me. I was speaking to you about this. You could have prayed for this person. I mean... I don't want to get to the end of the day and God say, man, I just can't trust you. I need people to do what I'm asking them to do, but I can't trust you. That plagues me. More than you'll know, that plagues me. I want to be the guy when God says, okay, I need somebody to do something. I want him to think, I know I can depend on Scott. So, Scott, I need you to do this. I want that. I desire that. And I, and I get there some, right? Some. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. God, we we surrender our life. We surrender this moment to you. Our life to you. Our minds to you. God, I believe there is so much, so much that's happening right now. In our world, on the world scene, Lord, there's so much happening that deals with us at specifically. In our, in our, the little part of our world that we're in, God, there's so much. There's so many things coming at us. God, for our young parents, there's so many things that kids bring to the to the subject, and it never stops. It's always changing. It never stops. Lord, they have to make so many decisions all the time. God, when people are headed toward retirement, they're having to make so many decisions. When we're looking for jobs or homes or cars, we have to make so many decisions. God, I pray for me, I pray for every one of us in here that we will do what is pleasing in your sight. we will listen to you and we will just make up our mind I am going to serve Jesus and I'm going to never walk away from that my entire life God I ask you to speak to every single one of us in this room speak to every one of us right now Lord if nothing else tell us that we belong to you Confirm that. Lord, you showed us that in Romans 8. We, we want that, to bear witness with our spirit. God, speak to us about things in our life that need to change, things in our life we're doing well that you want us to continue. Lord, show us, guide us, lead us. God, comfort us, convict us. Lord, of everything, just don't be silent. Speak to us. And Lord, we commit to you that we want to be like Josiah. We want to just determine we're going to tear down everything that is not of you, and we are going to serve you with everything about us. Keep your head bowed. I want to ask this question. You say, I I want to make this commitment in my heart. I want to make this commitment right now to the Lord. God, I want you to speak to me, and I want to follow you. I want to follow you no matter what you say. You can say that really is your heart. You want to follow the Lord no matter what he says. You want to follow him. Just just lift your hand up and just keep it up for a minute just keep it up Jesus you see my hand you see my heart you know every heart in this room Jesus I want to follow you whatever that means I want to follow you Jesus if you want me to run for representative again I'll do it you know my heart there but I'll do whatever you tell me to do Jesus I believe you're speaking to Every one of us in here with different things, you're just, you pushing in our world. God, help us to listen. Help us to hear it right now. Help us to hear it right now, deep in our spirit. We thank you. We thank you for taking time out of running the universe to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for that. Jesus, you're the everything. Help us to realize this. Help us to realize that you're the everything. We thank you. And Lord, we will follow you. We will follow you. Whatever that means, in every moment we're going to follow you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I am and will be praying this week that god will whatever however this looks for god that he will remind you of this that he will be showing you this that you're just going to come to these moments when life pops right up in front of your face and reminds you that he does have a plan for you and that he does want to speak to you and uh and i'm praying that we would I, i pray this all the time actually that we would hear him we would learn to hear him hear his voice listen to what he is saying, right? So don't forget to connect with our missionaries. Um, get a prayer card. See what's going on in their world. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the chance to be reminded that he's the king and we're not. That he's God and we're not. And he's the one who has the plan for our life. And that uh, God will honor that when we step into that plan. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they are here. And uh, we will see you at The Journey tonight at my house or Wednesday night?